Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today we have our amigo Ray Bailey with us. As you can see in the video, if you're watching the video, he's in the middle on a file box. Neil and I purposely did this <laughs> to make him look smaller than us. So it's all about camera angles, folks. That's how they do it in Hollywood. We're also so, slightly forward. Yes. So we're yes, learning. A little closer to the camera. We're learning these special techniques to make Neil and I look really big compared to the bigger people. So I'm gonna watch out there now. Yeah, like the the camera doesn't show your true shoulder width. I mean, just gotta figure out how to adjust here. <laughs> Today's subject: we're gonna talk about rows versus pull-ups. So Mark Liebert, Liebert Fitness, had made a post about what's better. Inverted rows versus pull-ups. I know, Ray, you did a post on pull-ups versus rows. Yeah. So to begin this discussion, I mean, what do we... I think the first thing is, is what's your goal? And I think that dictates first which one is better for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, me personally, I, lo- I love pull-ups, right? Because I climb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that it, it applies directly to climbing performance. If I can do heavy, heavy-weighted pull-ups, then it's going to increase my climbing performance. But I would say, so as a coach and a trainer, I would say that there's a small population of my clients that I do pull-ups with. Whereas I do with all my clients, 100% of them do rows. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because like, there's going to be difference in a person. Like maybe some people aren't really good at getting to an overhead position. Mm-hmm. So if they're not, then maybe working on hanging would be a better alternative and then adding in a rose because there's so many different variations Mm -hmm. there's seal rows there's dumbbell rows there's barbell rows landmine rows millions different variations of rows but for pull-ups there's kind of really only one variation that you can do you can add assistance Mm -hmm. or resistance but it just depends so transfer as far as transferability to everyday life for most general population the row is probably going to be the better choice in programming then? I would say so. It's a little more joint friendly as far as it's, it's easier to get into the right position. Like mm-hmm. Ray said, you don't need ideal shoulder mobility mm-hmm. to get like a pull-up, right? And, and most people, uh, I don't say most people, but a lot of people can't hang with their own body weight. Well, we know grip strength is an issue for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right from there, I, at least in my personal experience, clients that's the one of the very first things that comes out of there as far as feedback when you ask them to hang is grip that's one of their very first things that they that they're hesitant about yeah so i think with that being said yeah i think rows is much easier for them to figure out but in the in the world of doing rows then we also have to figure out can we get somebody to move the scaps the way they should move Mm-hmm. versus really affecting that glenoral humeral joint. Yeah, that's true too. That's a really big point. And I think that's where like Rose kind of shines is that you can have it, do, you can do it to where it's a unilateral movement mm-hmm. as opposed to a bilateral. Mm-hmm. And so if someone, let's say they don't have really good control of their scapula movement, well, give them a kettlebell or a dumbbell. And it's how to work on one side versus the other and work on training that in different ways versus a pull-up. If one scap doesn't move as well as the other, it's going to be noticeable in the, in a performance of the movement. So it makes it a lot harder to adjust based on whatever they need at that point in time. I mean, I think in an ideal world, I would love all my clients to be able to do pull-ups at one point because it's a nice test of 
your relative strength to your body weight. All right, if you could do four or five pull-ups or even one pull-up, I guarantee you that you could knock out 10 push-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No problem. That you could probably handle yourself in, in most situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think biggest hindrance for most people is getting that because they get so locked up in the shoulder area. And a lot of people just live with rib flare. Mm-hmm. So that's not Rick flare, rib flare. <laughs> There's a difference, folks. So that, I think those are th- things that you want to look at first before going into even figuring if a person does need to be able to do a pull-up and can they do a pull-up. But like what you said, Ray, about just hanging, I think that's one of the very first things we want to do, right? Is Because in the hanging model, in the hanging situation, we can offset their weight with having them stand on a plyo box or a bench to progressively load themselves. But in that hanging position, we can then teach them where their body should be optimally positioned. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, even from a hang position, you can train them to move their scapula better either. Right. His weight as well. Right. So if someone, let's say they get good at hanging, they can hang for 45 seconds, which mm-hmm. is a pretty, it's a good amount of time, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, let's see if you can retract, like retract your scapula from that hanging position. Cool. So, you know, you have control there. Let's see if you can depress your scapula. Cool. So it can kind of use it as a way to build them up without necessarily have them do a pull up. Mm-hmm. And then you can fill those gaps with, realistically pull up like movements mm-hmm. right if it's a lap pull down like a single yeah. handle lap pull down or something like that to substitute that movement you can still kind of get some of that effectiveness yeah i was just going to say if the facility you're at or if you have the access to a lap pull down machine that's a great way to bridge that gap because with a lap pull down machine you can technically go at whatever angle you want right yeah. you don't have to go directly you are overhead but it's not completely vertical mm-hmm yeah, because we've talked about orientation of angle mm-hmm. as far as if your overhead position is, say, here, you're, let's say you're 20 degrees shy of being 90 uh, perpendicular to the floor, mm-hmm. then that's the angle of pull that you should optimally maintain as you do that pull down just to help maintain most or eliminate the biggest possible chance of possibility of injury mm-hmm. yeah. in that area. What about pulling down on a rope if you can't do a pull up? Yeah, I think that's still a good like uh, variation because you're still working relatively closer, if not the same tissues that are going to be involved in a pull up. So having them do like a rope pull down or even if they're just doing like a rope climb and just come up and then it's right back down, it's still training those same things or the same movement pattern. So that could also be again, shoulder friendly too, because they can move their shoulder however they need to, to get to the best position. Yeah. I think that helps eliminate that locked in position. Yeah. Give them better chance to go around those, to get those detours in that they may need Mm -hmm. at first. Yeah. Because gyms, a lot of gyms do have those uh, infinity rope pulls Mm -hmm. where you can sit. And uh, if you don't know what it looks like, just Google it. You'll see a lot of gyms now have it where you sit down. It's just like a lap pull down machine, except it's just a rope. So that I think is a great alternative and a great entryway for people to get that feel of what it is to actually do a pull up. And if you don't have that full range of motion in your shoulder, you don't have to have a full extension as you're going into this rope pull down and it's very submaximal too yeah and it teaches people grip strength because as you're gripping i mean think about if you had somebody do that for a minute 
and there are third, let's say even 30 seconds. But if their keyboarding is the predominantly most of their day, yeah. then that gives them that ability to engage that grip strength at a much more accessible rate for them. So basically we've, we've decided that it just, it really depends right on what's going to apply to the person. Mm. But if you had to just pick one variation, right? Mm. If you had to choose between, you could only do mm. either a pull up or a row variation for you and all your clients. What would you do? I'll let you guys go first and then I'll give you my answer. Ray, you got this. You're first. <laughs> okay. I pick row. I pick row. And, and the main reason that I pick it is there's so many different variations and there's so many applicable ways to do rows. It doesn't have to be a barbell or a dumbbell. You can do it on a cable. You can do it on a resistance band where you have that accommodating resistance. So in my opinion, I would go with the row just because it's way more versatile. But like you said, for the average person, right? People typically aren't doing this. Mm -hmm. yeah. People are typically doing this. Think about when you're opening a door or something of that nature. If you're going to grab a kid, you're going to, oh, wait, come back here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It just seems much more applicable. And it's also going to be typically safer for the average person. That's just, that's just me. Yeah, I would go with the row. The one thing I've really enjoyed adding in lately is the coiling with the row. Yes. I mean, talk about getting people to understand torque and leverage. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That is just so amazing. So for people that may not know what we're talking about, instead of being stiff through the spine as you do your row, as you pull, you shorten. So if I'm pulling with my right side, I really start to retract the scap, and then I simultaneously shorten the distance. I want to flex and close the distance between my ribs and my hip. And that really allows me to get more torque get into the obliques and the lat tie-in and really get create more strength and more power in that row. Uh, that's one of my favorite new additions to, to when I teach people how to row. Yeah. And there's a lot of different positions you can teach them in, whether it's horizontal or facing the floor. It's a really good one. Yeah, that's amazing. When you add that just a little bit of side bend, how much mm -hmm. more your lat starts to fire up. Right. I would go with the row for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite variations is a horizontal row mm -hmm. because you're not only working your back, but you're also loading the ground with your feet. Mm -hmm. So we can get someone's legs super strong and their back really strong. Mm -hmm. And, and you can load it as, as heavy as you want. And now if you want to go more rotational, you pull with one arm and you, you maybe add a twist. If you want to just go max loads and you do two arms and then, you know, and sink into it and put, you can do this on a sled, do it on a cable machine you could do like, if you want to do the rotational one, you could do a rope drag mm -hmm. with a sled. I would consider that a row variation right mm -hmm. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And using bands, anchor a band to a, mm -hmm. to a, a wall or a, or a squat rack and pull that towards you. Now you can use both hands, one hand over the top. So that way you get that lengthening as opposed to on that lengthening side, you get more range of motion. Mm -hmm. Within the row, it's like Ray had said, there's just so many variations I think one of the biggest things, at least for me personally, coming up in the industry was I always valued a strict form row way more than I did, let's say, a brute force power row. Mm -hmm. You know, you would see people that would, let's say at the gym, you go to the box gym, you see somebody trying to row 125, 125 pound dumbbell, and you would just see them yank as hard as they can. Everything's going everywhere. And a younger me was like, oh, that's just ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? The older me now understands, okay, that has value, that has yeah. a purpose. And the two are 
are okay to do. But there is different facets at play when there's a strict form versus a let me try to create as much power and explosiveness as I can. Yeah. Back in the day, at least back when I, when I was younger, you used to look at a Matt Crocs program, mm-hmm. right? And he would have like a like the, the croc row and he would get a lot of rotation into it. Yes. And at the time, like I was like, okay, well, let's I'll try it out. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, like at the time, I didn't really understand or grasp the concepts around it. And so when it came time for, at least now when I look at it, it's like you, it's like there's a value and I see the value. So adding in a rotation can be really, really helpful. But also for some people, it's like you said, like that lateral bend, that, that torquing, that rotation. I, I even use that with some of my clients to go, okay, well, if you're not filling your lat as much as you should be engaging with everything else, try this particular movement. So that freedom to manipulate the body around a movement just makes it make more sense in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think as you get heavier and heavier roads, you're still building all these connective tissues and the wrists, the elbow, the shoulders to potentially handle pull-ups one day. And here's what I wonder too, is if you get really strong, obviously your strict rows, Mm -hmm. these full body rows, and you're just overloading your system and, and then you start to gain mobility in your shoulders Will you automatically be able to do a pull-up? That's a good that's a good question. Like will it translate? And maybe you have to adjust the angle of your rows a little bit to, mm-hmm. to train it more. Maybe, you know, if you're doing a rope pull or something, you lean your torso over just a little bit. Yeah. Get that motion. But I always wonder, hey, look, could we could we train someone to get to do pull-ups without actually having to do pull-ups? Like Well, because we always think of angles, right? Mm-hmm. So we're always talking about angles. So yeah, I mean horizontal versus vertical but we got all these angles in between that if we can mm-hmm. if we can position that person in those in between angles and progressively get them from being parallel to horizontal uh, to vertical then yes we sh- we should be able to do that whether that's having them on a support bench supported angle using an incline bench mm-hmm. and then have them start to and then we increase the anchor point of where they're pulling from I mean, that's a, that's a way that they could start to possibly say, okay, I can work on that. Yeah. Who knows? But those are maybe some things that we could start to play around with, mm-hmm. with clients as far as, yeah, like you talked about, you know, you see the rope shimmy that people do under, un, uh, hanging f- underneath the rope. Mm-hmm. I mean, really they're reaching above them yeah, and they're dragging themselves along. Mm-hmm. They're just supine versus prone. Yeah. Right same mechanisms yeah. it's just different different load yeah theoretically what you said yeah i think someone should be able to do a pull up mm-hmm. i think the interesting aspect to think about is can they make the connections to do it because mm-hmm. that's like that's that's a huge part of pull-ups that thing, that's what they lose us that's what it's like it, yeah. they're super strong it's like all right cool you're strong with all these movements but when it comes to the pull-up you're not making the proper connections so they miss it and i think if you build the connections over time obviously it's a lot better yeah when you add in like the heavier stuff because your body's trying to find the most efficient way possible. Yeah. So that lawyer up there is trying to find all the loopholes. Mm-hmm. So then we come along and we're trying to eliminate all the loopholes. Yeah. So that's our job is to figure to get this client to understand, okay, you're trying to find all these loopholes. We're trying to block them so that way you get a true pull-up versus cheating pull-up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But not that they don't have value in and of themselves. Yeah. Because in certain situations... We, no one gives a shit how you pull yourself up. If you're hanging off a ledge and you got to get your ass up over the ledge, mm-hmm. you don't give a, we don't care what form you use, just yeah. get yourself up, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. 
And, you know, if someone's completely healthy, full range of motion, then I'll try to program both evenly. Mm-hmm. Some kind of vertical pull, some kind of horizontal pull. Yeah. Yeah. I love the East. I love East working the eccentrics out of the pull up. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that for me is one of my biggest. As long as the person has that ability to get in the overhead, but even if they don't, even if their overhead is here, then I'll have them work the eccentric from this position. Yeah. I'll just shorten the angles. Yeah. I, I want them to be able to maintain what they have. Yes. Not just eliminate that drill altogether, which I think a lot of people would do. A lot of people would just say, ah, we will skip it. Mm-hmm. But on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best range of motion overhead, even if they get to a 6, mm-hmm. then let's work the 6 to 0, not just leave it all alone altogether. Yeah. I think that's a huge component is how can you find different variations or ways around what they want to do? Or maybe maybe they, they want to get good at pull-ups. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of stuck. Uh, I don't have a range of motion. Or maybe just, you know. Through a screening, it's like, okay, you don't have the range, but we can still train it. It's just finding ways around it that are going to mimic that same thing. So it's like kind of like the lat pull down, or if you're doing eccentrics, I think eccentrics are awesome when it comes to pull-ups. Just get them really, really good with that. And even with that training, they'll get stronger and they'll yeah. get better over time. So then it come, after six months or however long, it's like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Let's just throw you on a bar. Let's see if you can do a pull-up. Cool. Then let's go from there. One of the things that I think would be interesting to see is how would they react with a pull-up position mm-hmm. in a spontaneous play situation? Because we know when we do play when we do play games with training mm-hmm. and especially evasion or reaction games, right? Movements that some clients would say that I can't do that movement, and we record them. For, and all of a sudden, they, we see them do these movements that they mentally have been told or they've learned or over the years that they can't do. And all of a sudden, we show them the video and say, hey, you were told you shouldn't squat, and you have this inhibition that you can't squat. But here in this video, in order to evade the stick or whatever we were trying to make contact with, all of a sudden, you squatted. So your brain automatically realizes, okay, this is a totally different environment. I have to accomplish this, and it gave it to you. So is that even a a possibility where we get somebody into a spontaneous play situation, and all of a sudden they do a hanging position out of necessity? Yeah, I mean, I think think it's a good, uh, it's a nice test. And then obviously after that situation, you kind of see over the next couple of days, were there any adverse effects to it? Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, do you have shoulder pain after that? Are you okay? And if they're okay, then it's like, hey, look, you're, you're good. Like, you can you can start to train this. Yeah. Right? So then you start to think, well, that was more, much more just about blocking mm-hmm. up here. There was a blockage up here mentally more than it was anything physical. But just like you said, Neil, we want to see what the effects are over the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to be sore because they haven't used those tissues in that position in quite a while, but then you want to make sure that it's more just that DOMS versus a structural issue or a soft tissue issue mm-hmm. that prolongs for a few days or weeks. Yeah. And and then in that case, then you have to think, is the risk and reward, is, there, is that viable or is it not viable? Yeah. Here's a cool thing about pull-ups. So when Laylee and I used to climb all the time, you know, before she started climbing, she worked out and she could do one pull-up. Mm-hmm. Like one, probably just one chin up, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then we climbed. And then over the course of two years, she would just climb. She'd do her workouts, but she would never, ever train pull-ups at all. But when she's climbing, she's predominantly trying to load her feet as much as she possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And she's, she's doing these isometric holds to get to these different positions, but never, ever actually trying to pull herself up. Yeah. Now, after two years, you know, I'm like, hey, why don't you hop on the pull bar and see what's up? Mm-hmm. Boom. 11 or 12 pull-ups. Dang. Yeah. You know, without training the full range of motion, just having these isometric holds mm-hmm. and these in a large, you know, variety of positions mm-hmm. gave her that strength. And that's what kind of led me to think like, if we're doing these, these row variations mm-hmm. and hanging from the different positions, will it just start to unlock enough strength so you can tap into it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think so. Kind of like these guys that they hail all the time and they get on a pull-up bar and they're like, boom, I can do one arm pull-up. Yeah. It's just a carryover. Mm-hmm. They have the, they have the innate ability to figure out how to create the amount of torque necessary and, and produce the, the exact amount of force necessary to accomplish the task. Where a lot of us who are just more gym strong sometimes lack that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the difference. That, and that's the big difference between being farm boy strong versus gym strong is, uh, is when you feel the difference and you see it in play and you see it in real life scenarios of those two environments, yeah, that clearly shows that somebody that's bailing hay and throwing around 80 to 100 pounds all day, yeah, that person's going to be a lot stronger. Yeah. And it's transferably much stronger in regular life versus just a gym setting. Agreed. Agreed. I think one of the biggest things that people need to understand, though, regardless of either drill that you're choosing, is you, first of all, you have to make sure, especially on rows, that the person is not locked up in the scaps and they're not thrashing the GH joint. And you'll see that bicep domination. And if you see that, that's the one of the very first things that you got to clear up to get that out of the way. Yeah. And if you're, if you're coaching, like get in there and start to feel their lat and then feel their shoulder position, see where it's at. If you're not feeling that lat, you know, reacting, then they're probably not in a good position. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the row is great because you can also do it in a single leg situation. So there's different, I mean, that's a great combination of itself is dealing with the RDS, doing the single leg RDL with the row variation. Because a lot of people are ultimately going to do that. Like say you go to pick up your child, you don't set both feet. Well, typically you don't set both feet like <laughs> shoulder width apart. There's, make sure the feet are level. Now hinge and pick up your child. No, yeah. you just go up. You, you typically probably set one foot in front of the other. You'll bend over to pick up your kid and then lift. Yeah. Right. So you're basically essentially in a single leg RDL. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, they're squirming and trying to lunge in different directions. So you get pulled over and, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be able to resist all those different forces. Yeah. So there's some co- ideas and concepts that you hopefully will benefit from us discussing as far as what is better what should you focus on a little bit more in your overall training, not just for yourselves, but for your clientele in regards to a row versus a pull 